0: Your support of the Candid Frame over the past 12 years has been invaluable to us. You have not only helped us produce over 400 episodes, but your donations directly helped us to create the Candid Frame app and making it available for free. We are now proud to announce the release of a new way for you to listen to TCF. We have released a new skill that is compatible with Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. Using voice commands, you can listen to the latest episodes, jump forward and back, and if you stop listening partway through an episode, it will remember where you left off. And like the Candid Frame app, it's free for users in the U.S. and Canada. In the coming months, the skill will be available in other countries. And I'll let you know when those become available. You can help and continue to support the work that we do here by contributing as little as $2 a month to our Patreon campaign. You not only help us to meet our cost of production, but provide us the means to improve the quality of the show and do so much more. Contribute today by visiting patreon.com forward slash The Candid Frame. This is A Body X, and this is The Candid Frame. As a kid, I was a real book nerd. I would spend hours after school in the local public library. I even remember the day when my first permanent library card arrived in the mail, printed on off-white paper with pale blue lettering. I imagined having my own books on the shelf, and I would run my fingers along the stacks, figuring out exactly where a book I'd written would sit on the shelf. Yeah, I was that kind of geek. In the last decade, I've not only seen that dream come true, but I've also helped produce over five books with a new one coming out at the end of the year. I know the satisfaction that comes from seeing your work in print. It is a dream held by many photographers, including today's guest, Dothan Sagai, who we interviewed last year in episode 355 about his personal project on Venice Beach. Well, I just received a pre-release copy of the book, and it is a wonderful culmination of his many years of work. And I thought it a good opportunity to discuss the journey from idea to print. I know many of you have the same dream for yourself and your work, and I hope this conversation serves as a step to helping you make that dream come true for yourself. All right, well, Dotan, welcome to the Candid Frame again. It's a pleasure to have you.
1: Thank you it's always uh, a pleasure to be on by next thanks for inviting me
0: I'm really excited about having received your your latest book on Venice Beach It's a beautiful book and, Thank you uh, Thank you for thinking of me when you sent it out. Oh you're welcome it's the least I could do. You yeah, know, we, we talked about, you know, the, you know, this project the last time we talked last year. And uh-huh. since then, I've had the opportunity to sort of see it sort of evolve. Uh, some months ago, I had a chance to see you do a presentation during the, during the Memento um, uh, workshop. And, you know, I got to see the pictures as well as have you talk about the project. And what I wanted to do today is to really talk about the journey in terms of creating the book. Because I know there are a lot of photographers who have dreamt of creating a book of of a project or a body of work, and I know it was a real challenge and a real journey for you. And so I'd like to focus this conversation on that process because I think it could be really valuable for for people who have been entertaining the idea. But before we begin that, why don't you provide us sort of a a refresher of the Venice Beach project, and just to give people who may not have had the opportunity to listen to the previous episode and understanding of what it involved.
1: Uh, absolutely. So this is a project I started uh, three years ago or so as a street photography, sort of, uh, you know, just being curious about Venice Beach and, and taking some photos there. No idea I was going to make a book uh, in the end with, with this. So it's something I started really all over L.A., but over time, um, shooting that, that street photography all over, all over L.A., really realizing that Venice Beach was the place that I felt uh, the most comfortable shooting in, where I was getting the best results, the best moments. And um, and I, I started going there more often, w- much more often than other places. Uh, so at some point, I kind of gathered a portfolio of images specifically from Venice that I thought was strong enough to start showing around. And that's when I, I realized this could become a, a bigger body of work and potentially a book. So it, it kind of evolved into a book idea uh, from really kind of a passion and love for for Venice and, uh, you know, and, and some early success shooting there.
0: It used to be there in the publishing industry, you had to go through a big publisher in, in order to ever imagine having a book book published but there are other mediums that are available including self-publishing but either way it's there's cost involved even if you're going through a publisher today publishers sort of expect you to to put in for some of the costs in terms of publishing the book so you had a variety of different choices about how to approach this Uh, tell me about each of those considerations for you and what led you to do it the way that you did
1: yeah, so I mean, self publishing is a very um, seductive uh, option nowadays, uh, and, and there's all kinds of s- ways to self publish you know all the way from making a couple of books for yourself and you know your friends and and uh, all the way to uh, making you know a much larger edition of books that you want to sell through you know regular you know Amazon and bookstores and so on and uh, and i've seen friends do both um some of them with great success so in my case i would say i really wanted to take my time i I wasn't in a rush to publish anything i really wanted this public this project to um to count you know for for from a career standpoint i'm getting into photography as a career sort of late later in life Uh, i'm 47 and i thought you know if I really want to make this Venice project count um, and, and really put the weight of a you know the, the credibility of, of a publisher behind me it, it, it would really help to have you know to find a good publisher for it as opposed to just trying to do it on my own. So it was kind of a credentials thing as well as uh, having you know the, the publishers also have the the, uh, the advantage of having a, a built-in distribution network uh, built-in sort of PR, uh, and all, all these things that I had no idea about. So I guess one f- advantage of doing this later in life is that I, I know what I don't know. <laughs> and I, 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 knew, I, knew, I knew making a book was something I, I had no idea about. And even if I wanted to self-publish in the future, I really wanted to learn from the the best and the brightest in terms of uh, uh, people who really know how to make books, or are passionate about making books and are real craftspeople about, about making their books so that's that 's when I decided to to look for for a good publisher for the book, not knowing obviously if I was going to find one, but having you know kind of giving myself the time to shop around and see you know if that was even a possibility well, How did you conduct your your research?
0: You mentioned earlier that you had friends who had done it before. did you make the time to sort
1: of pick their brains oh absolutely yeah so um uh, a friend of mine uh who uh, i guess he was i guess the first Leica workshop that I took. And uh, his, his name is Matt Stewart. He's a you know, fairly well-known uh, British photographer, a street photographer, um, has been with Magnum now for a couple of years. So he's, you know, his career has really uh, t- taken a, you know, a, a, it's uh, you know, a, a uh, turn uh, in terms of, you know, really getting recognized on, a, on the world stage. And he published his first book, which was sort of a combination of his different, uh, work, street work all the way up to that point. Uh, it's a beautiful book and he self published it and he, he did it very professionally, hiring one of the best book designers and, but really kind of, he wanted to have the, I guess the control and, and he knew what he wanted and he knew who he wanted to work with. And he, he put out this spectacular product that is, uh, being sold, you know, in, in, on Amazon and, and major, uh, art bookstores and so on. So he did sort of a you know the professional way of doing uh self you know self publishing and and of course, I know lots of people who have done you know just books for their families or or books for friends and families and and you know a few instagram followers and things like that so I spoke to to uh, a few quite a few of them Craig Sumetko is another street photographer that I, I I love and respect and is a dear friend of mine and he he did both. He, he did his first book with a publisher uh, to noise, a German publisher, and he did his second book uh, self-published. And he actually won prizes for the the second book, which was self-published for the, the quality of the printing and so on. So, he, you know, the, so I, I really kind of did my research, you know, trying to figure out what those experiences of those people that had self-published and and also published through uh, uh, publishers had been.
0: What were some of the mistakes that they both Craig and Matt shared with you that uh, were particularly
1: important for you to avoid? So I think you know Craig had kind of stumbled upon their his his publisher uh, and he he had you know his first book uh, published you know Kind of early, and I, th- I don't think he even was looking for a publisher uh, when he first published it. And I think he sort of bumped into Tenoy's um, by um, by chance, and decided to um, uh, go ahead and publish the book with them without having done a lot of research about what he wanted. And I think Tenoy's had. An idea of what they wanted to do with it, and they sort of did what they, you know, they they asked him for a very broad edit, and they just, you know, kind of ran with it. He had probably less influence on the book and, and less, uh, collab you know, less of a collaborative approach on the book with them that he realized he wanted later on. So I think the book came out and it was great, and he had a you know, big publisher behind him, but uh, it wasn't necessarily the product he wanted, and that's why I think the second book he decided to self-publish. So that. Was was, you know, I think one thing i learned from that is, you know, you kind of want to, I, I, I'm a, a design, you know, I, I love designing things, uh, whether it's uh, uh, books or um, I actually design mobile apps as well. And I designed my uh, kitchen and, you know, like it's, whatever it is, I love designing it. So I, I knew I was going to want to collaborate with a publisher who was going to let me into the, you know, into the, uh, the sausage making process. And that was an important aspect for me. So hearing Greg's uh, Craig's, uh, Craig's, uh, experience was very helpful uh, from that perspective. And uh, I think, you know, in terms of mistakes, uh, I don't know too, too many, you know, that people had uh, any kind of lessons learned from mistakes in terms of uh self-publishing it's it's you know self-publishing one thing that's great about it is you can you can uh, run a few books and see what they come out as and you can sort of uh you know do trial and error and at, at very little expense so there's not really a big mistake you can do there but publishers i guess you know it, it, I've, I've heard some some people who chose a publisher didn't get along with them or so they, it's more of a you're, you're kind of getting married to uh <laughs> to someone there and you kind of want to do your Research and make sure not only that it's a name that that, that you want to you know that, that you want to be proud of, but also that it's, uh, it's somebody you can uh, get along with and, in creating a product together. You know, the reference to
0: comparing it to a marriage was exactly the way I, I was imagining it when, uh, as, you, as you sort of explained it, um, because it is a relationship and it's going to be a, a relationship that in order to be viable and healthy is going to demand some uh, compromise.
1: And Absolutely.
0: In leading up to, you know, finally choosing the people that you work with, what were some of the things that you considered very important in, in
1: trying to discern who you were going to work with? So continuing on that uh, marriage uh, thing, there's a, a moment, I guess, when you date all these publishers and you, you're, 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 you're uh, you know, interacting with them, showing them your work, you can get a sense, I guess, of how much they um, like the work and how much they're passionate about the work. So I, I went, um, I was really lucky because I actually found my publisher much faster than I thought I would. Uh, I went to this event, uh, portfolio review called uh, Photolucida, which is in Portland every other year. It's a, one of the biggest portfolio reviews. And there I met several publishers, including the one that I ended up working with. And, it really spanned the whole. I was lucky because they they were very different. They were all all the publishers that I met with uh, were, were very different, and it allowed me to see and and kind of get a sense of um, how they, how, uh, how a publisher can react to your work and what the vibe is. And it it's not something. I mean, it's something you you. It's kind of like a date where you have to kind of feel it out and see what. How you connect with this publisher and what the chemistry is like and and um, how they appreciate the work, the kind of questions they 're asking about the work, do they get it, what they like about it uh, so it's it's all these things, and you kind of it 's only through that conversation with them in those tw- it 's only a twenty minute conversation during those uh, portfolio reviews, but it was enough to really get a sense of of each one and one of them, uh, and I'm not going to mention which, uh, I had the most horrible, <laughs> uh, the most horrible um, experience. And I was sort of warned by other people about this, you know, this particular person and, and you know, not to be too, uh, you know, defensive and so on. And they, they, might, they might be like this. But anyway, they asked a lot of questions that were very much off in terms of their perception of the work and, and nitpicking on things that really had no, I didn't think had any uh, merit. But at the end, after putting down the work for various reasons, saying that they were very interested in working with me. And so (laughs) even though they they were a decent name in the publishing world, uh, I thought to myself, there is no way in hell I will ever work with this publisher, regardless of How sweet the deal is that they're going to offer because I just, it's like you said, it's a marriage. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to go through a a year of of pain, uh, uh, getting this book out and, uh, you know, and having a bad relationship with them. So that was a great eye-opening moment. And then, you know, and, and it was a great contrast with later on meeting with uh, the publisher I ended up working with, CARE, who uh, who was the complete opposite. It was, it was kind of a love at first sight kind of thing where they, I could see that they were very interested in the work. They were asking all the right questions, um, even challenging me on things I hadn't thought of, but probably should think about. Uh, so they were, they were. Expanding uh, on on the work and giving me ideas and 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 appreciating what was done, so it, it was it was kind of a, an obvious uh, choice there. I was just hoping they would work with me, um, which wasn't you know wasn't for sure after that twenty minute uh, portfolio review, um, but but they wanted to follow up, which was a good sign.
0: Traditionally, the way that uh, a photographer gets their, their book idea to a publisher is by sending a, a query letter with a proposal. Uh, you chose to go a slightly different route by going to Photo Lucida. And explain why you decided to go that way, because Photo Lucida is not free. You know, it Correct. does involve a certain you know, expense in terms of you not only attending, but also you know, flying and, you know, and getting accommodations and all of that. Tell us about mm-hmm. the thinking behind going that route and trying to, you know, get Face Time with publishers rather than just sending, say, a dozen queries to different publishers.
1: Sure. Um, so I, I can't uh, claim credit for the idea. Uh, it was Aline <laughs> Smithson, um, my mentor. Um, I was taking a class at the time with her about kind of promoting my work and, and kind of figuring out where to go next. And her class is actually called The Next Step. And. She was the one who really pushed me to go to Full Lucida and said, "Look, your your body of work is now ready to be reviewed by uh, by people there, and I think you'd greatly benefit by showing your work there." And she was right. Um, so I actually didn't know uh, that that it was supposed to be done another way, and I just kind of listened to her and said, "Okay, well, she seems like she she knows what she's <laughs> she's doing, and she uh, she's been a reviewer there many many times, and she knows the the, the other reviewers and." So I thought, you know, I I really should listen and and invest in in this. Um, And I I agree with you. There there is a cost to it, and and you're paying a tuition fee, and and you have to fly there and book a hotel, and it's over four days, and, you know, potentially takes time off work and so on. But um, what you're getting in return uh, is is quite invaluable in terms of uh, you're sitting down with, in my case, I sat down with about 20 different reviewers who, you know, I think five of them were book publishers, but I also sat down with magazine editors and museum curators and gallery um, owners and so on and so forth. And you're getting an immense amount amount of feedback about the body of work and where to take it. Um, You're getting to, and, and the people you're meeting with are people you just couldn't, Send a cold email to and expect a reply they're they 're uh, just very busy people who get lots and lots of solicitations and this gives you a chance of having twenty minutes of their time undisturbed you know where they have to they're basically their job is to look at your work and give you feedback and answer your questions um, so you know agreed it's you know it's, it's, it's a it's an investment I think it's it 's a good investment if you're in the right um, at the right point of a project, um, definitely not to be wasted on. You know, if your project is too early on, or or you don't really have anything to ask, and you you know, like it, right now, it wouldn't make any sense for me to go to Fuller Lucida because I don't have a second project yet that's uh, mature enough to go and show. Um, but maybe uh, next year or the the year after, I definitely would want to. You know, go go back. Um, assuming it, uh, actually, I, m- I may not have to do that because care sounds like they they want to do more books with me. But um, that I think it, it just requires you to be at the right point of the cycle uh, in in a project, and and then it's worth the expense.
0: You know, when you go into a, a book contract, as with any any sort of financial relationship, you know, you always have to sort of look carefully at whatever the contracts are. Um, sure. Yeah, especially have to be sensitive to it because, you know, when it comes to photo books, they're notorious for not really being uh, uh, the gold mine that I think some people assume that they will be. So, right. in terms of you considering, you know, the the financial considerations as well as you know the, the, the time considerations and the commitment in terms of printing and marketing, tell me about the process of educating yourself with respect to to that aspect of the relationship.
1: Yeah. So, in terms of, uh, I think it's uh, the most important word I would mention is expectations. Uh, <laughs> uh, it, you have to go into a project like this with the uh, the right expectation. I think it's it's um, almost silly nowadays to go into a photo book project thinking this will be a revenue stream. It's um, it, I think at best um, it, it's I, I was my my personal goal was to break even with it and put out the most beautiful book I could potentially make, um, while not losing money. That was, that was really my, my goal. Really what the book is, it's not a product that's going to make another revenue stream for you. It's, it really is a beautiful uh, business card that will get you into opportunities that you haven't had before. This is really what it is. Um, there's many galleries that won't look at, at at your work seriously unless you have a book. Um, definitely museums won't look at, at your work unless you have a book. Um, and and what when, when I mean by a book, it's not, you know, something you're going to go and print on blurb, um, you know, next week. It's really something you've worked on for many months with a very, you know, a lot of attention to detail and a, a complete body of work that feels like it's finished and, and so on. Uh, so that's really, you know, what the expectation I had going in. Now, it's possible. I mean, the book is is has come out in Europe uh, about a month ago. It's coming out in the U.S. in August. And based on the press that is out there in Europe and that's coming in the U.S. and everything I'm hearing from how it's selling, it's possible I'll make a, a profit on the book and it's possible I'll make you know, I think the bigger profit to be made is if people really like the book and like the body of work, uh, to be able to sell prints. Uh, and and then that, that, might be where, you know, the money potentially is, but it's really, um, I think it will be beyond the expectations I had, but I think very few books end up, uh, even, uh, breaking even. So I think it's a reasonable goal to have to, to just want to break even with a book.
0: You know, once you came reach an agreement with the publisher, um, there were some financial obligations on your end in terms of getting the book published. Talk to us about that and how you decided to get the money to be able to meet your end of the deal.
1: Yeah, so typically, I mean, I'm going to boil it down to something to simple, and the contract is a little bit more complicated than that. Uh, I also want to add the caveat that I'm not. By contract, I'm not um, allowed to share the details of the contract, mm-hmm. uh, so I can't give you all the details, but I can give you the general uh, uh, dynamics of, of the contract. Essentially, what happens is the publisher asks you sir, for a certain amount of money to help print the book, in, in exchange for which they will give you a certain amount of books um, that you get... Um, not for free basically it's you get the books for the amount of money that you pay and essentially what you're doing the transaction is you're buying a chunk of books uh, you know typ- typically several hundred books that usually can be counted on one hand uh, uh and you're getting them at a discounted price you're getting them wholesale essentially so the question is how you know you could just keep those books and hope to sell them by yourself later, uh, if you have the money uh, in your pocket that you can just kind of, you know, advance to the publisher, and you know, maybe you can sell those books over time later. Uh, the most immediate way to not have that kind of cash flow problem of having to put all that money out and not have the money come back in, the the easiest way, the the most, you know, I think what most people do nowadays is is, is uh, a crowdfunding uh, campaign like a Kickstarter. Because that's that's the only way, basically, that you can pre-sell your books that are not even made yet, uh, get the money in to give the publisher, and then, you know, essentially, you you've you've already kind of broken even before the book even comes out that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's that's why I I decided to do. Um, I have to warn people that want to go that route uh, that it's not the. Um, easiest way in terms of work, you know, that this, it, it, it actually requires a lot of work to, to, uh, have a successful Kickstarter for a book. Um, Kickstarter doesn't provide you, um, any marketing in terms of, um, there's not many eyeballs that will come from Kickstarter. You really have to bring the people there that you want to look at your book. So it's really, um, up to you how successful the, the Kickstarter will be. And, and, uh, um, Kickstart is one of those things that if you don't reach the, the goal that you set, uh, the project is canceled, so you have to start over again. So, so it's, it's a challenge, I guess what I mean to say is it's a challenging path to take, but it, it, is, the, um, it, it is a really good way to, uh, to finance your book without having to lay the money out yourself.
0: You just mentioned that you know you're responsible for making the outreach, and I think that's the, the biggest thing because you know, as many friends and family as we think we may have, um, for a successful Kickstarter, you got to reach out to a lot
1: more people beyond that.
0: So you're going to need to
1: sell hundreds of books, right? Correct. You know, so how
0: how did you what did you need to do to be able to successfully reach out to enough people to succeed with the Kickstarter effort?
1: Well, it's, um, there's no silver bullet. It's really, um, you know, having, I think building up your social networks before the Kickstarter even starts and letting them know it's coming and, you know, starting to kind of create awareness before it even starts is, is crucial. Um, trying to get uh, articles in, in blogs and magazines and you know podcasts like yours uh, is is another way to to create awareness uh, in the in the world of potential buyers for your books uh, for your book that that uh, the book is uh, is is going to be offered. Get people excited about the project. Uh, trying to figure out the different targets uh, target markets for your book. So in, in the case of my book, it's about Venice Beach. Even people who don't know me or my photography, but are passionate about photography of Venice Beach, I thought would make, uh, you know, a, a good market for, for the book. So I started uh, targeting some Facebook groups that, uh, you know, where people... From uh, from Venice, uh, gather to talk about different things uh, and try. To, you don't want to be spamming them, so you have to kind of ask for permission uh, from the group leaders and and post. You know, in a considerate way. Um, maybe you start posting some of the photos from the book and kind of tease people about what's coming. So it, it's it's a full on PR effort that you have to put out um, even before the Kickstarter starts. And then once the Kickstarter starts, you have a limited amount of time to um, to reach your goal. So then it's even more work to try to like intensify all those uh um social media campaigns and so on. And and obviously you mentioned friends and family and, and that's, you know n- not to be discounted I mean if you know you have uh, uh, many friends and, and family members to reach to who want to support your project and, and are interested in in your photography definitely that's that's also uh, you know to try to secure commitments from those people is a is a big deal you know try, maybe try to even have some of them buy more than one book because your book would make a great uh, Christmas gift or, or you know a hanukkah gift um, that, that that's also another another it's easier to sell uh, you know four books to one person than to try to find four different buyers so um so anyway there, there's many many ways of of doing this and um it's just uh, there's no silver bullet it's just hard hard work
0: <laughs> you, you had produced you know thousands of images on this project tell me about the process of selecting the images that found their way in the book and what feedback did the person that you were working with at the publisher play in being able to refine and revise
1: the selection of those images sure um so when i met um care at photo lucida i was uh, it was may april or may of last year and um they at that point they asked me for uh, as a follow-up thing they asked me for a big pdf of, of my edit um, you know, so far, and uh, they asked me for fifty images, which I sent to them. And at that point, they were comfortable enough to start working on the book. So they saw that you know the twenty that I showed them at Photo Lucida were not the only images that I had for the project. That there was there was a little bit of a bench there. That you know that that uh, you know there was there was a, a good amount of, of, of uh, images that could be used. So they asked me if I wanted to start working on the book right away and my my idea i wasn't I wasn't quite ready to settle um, for what I had just yet. I thought I could get some more images, especially since the summer was starting and and Venice is really at its you know kind of busiest point in the summer. Um, I asked the publisher to um to push back uh, the you know working on the book till the fall and and I asked them to provide them a new edit in the fall which they the you know, they gladly accepted and they were, I guess, I think they, they were happy that I wanted to even push the project further. Uh, they weren't in any hurry themselves. And what I decided to do at that point, I think was, was key was to start, I, I knew the publisher was interested. I didn't have a contract yet because they only give, they only give you a contract once they have the final edit. So there was a little bit of a, uh, sort of chicken and egg uh, issue, mm. but I tr- I trusted them that they were going to do the book with me, and I kind of took them for their word. And I decided to hire a uh, professional editor to work with, who uh, at that point was going to look at my images so far and help me identify gaps in, in, my, in my work. Because uh, I, I really wanted something more or less, you can't ever do something comprehensive, but you know I, I didn't want to have blatant omissions in the book um in terms of representing uh, the the community there and so i started working with gail fisher who's uh you know has spent uh, most of her career at the la times and at national geographic and she kindly accepted to work on the project and we um you know we we met a couple times and looked at what I had so far, and we identified a few things that I needed to work on over the summer uh, to specifically focus on, uh, one of which was police presence on the boardwalk, which I had completely omitted before and uh, and so it helped me kind of focus my shoot over the summer, not just on that but I had some things in mind that she gave me as sort of pointers of you know you need more of this and more of that and when we met again at the end of summer, um, I had a much more comprehensive edit and, uh, Gail helped me, uh, not just boil it down to the 70 or so images, uh, that were going to go in the book, but also, uh, she helped me sequence them in the proper way and, and, uh, a pair of images in the proper way. So I, you know, it's again, something where I knew enough to know that i didn't know. <laughs> so and, and, I, and, and I felt more comfortable, you know, just having an expert there with me helping me through that process. And, and I, I frankly, not just the book, but just even just this, this editing piece of the book. Um, I, it was like, you know, going to school. I mean, I, I, I learned so much by working with Gail, um, that I probably would do a much better job by myself next time over but i'm not sure i i might still work with her on on the next one just because you know she just spent you know 40 years or so uh or 30 years uh just doing that so she's just you know the amount of expertise that she brings is is uh, phenomenal
0: yeah you yeah, know editing and sequencing of a book or even a portfolio is so critical to the success of that collection of that body of work because i've seen A lot of portfolios, or even some books, that start off real strong, and then in the middle they get weak, and then we pick up at the end. But you know, it it doesn't provide as a consistent uh, and strong experience as the photographer probably intended. Right. Tell us about you know the evolution of the book with with respect to to sequencing. I mean, you you reference having Gail's feedback, but tell me specifically how you guys work did you create a pdf with the layout did you create prints um yeah when, so what, what, how you know how did you what was the practice that allowed you to you know figure out the uh, the arrangements of the book
1: sure so when we first started working together i basically had a a folder in lightroom that we went through and i said okay this is a all, these are she, she offered me to go back to like the individual shoots and go you know and edit every single one of them uh, which you know there's like hundreds of them um, and I, I thought that was just not necessary I, I had sort of done a broad edit of, of all those folders and I put everything I thought could even remotely be a an image for the book I just put it in a in a uh, in its own folder and um, in, in a separate folder as, as a potential book uh, image and that's the folder that uh, Gail and I went over and there were about maybe I want to say about 500 images in that folder and so our first you know, task was to just go through that folder and mark what she thought were keepers. Um, once we were done with that that was still way too many images for the book so so we had to we knew we had to Come down from from that number. I forget. You no, know, maybe it was, uh, 120, 130 images, maybe slightly more. Anyway, we, th- that was kind of our broad edit. At some point, um, you know, refining that edit down, we ended up at maybe 90 images or something like that, and we decided to just print everything. So I printed uh, little four by six, you know, low quality prints, um, and we laid them out on my dining room table. Um, just you know, just completely covered the dining room table with prints, and our task then was to start to, uh, sequence them and not just, it it didn't have to be that precise of a sequencing, but try to figure out what's in the beginning, what's, you know, after that, any themes that would go well together, anything that geometrically makes sense together, uh, even though they're not from the same theme, uh, you know, pairings and so on and so forth. So that was, uh, we did this over a couple different sessions of maybe four or five hours each. And... From that, the final, <laughs> um, I guess, you know, I, just, I took photos of the dining room table with the, the sequence and, and, and uh, edit that we had uh, at the end of that process. And from there, I created a document in Keynote, uh, you know, which is like the PowerPoint for, for Mac. And I, that, that's when we started working basically on the computer um, at something that looked more like a book. And so I created sort of a book mock-up in Keynote. Um, and we we evolved that mockup uh, from there on. So over you know basically dozens of, of versions. Uh, a- again, you know sequencing, resequencing, you know moving the images back and forth, um, taking images out, putting them, putting some others back in, until we had something that really felt like a you know a final something that could be the final product. What were
0: some of the surprising discoveries that you experienced? as a result of doing that work?
1: Well, you know, for one, I realized that the, when it's well edited and well sequenced, the work is greater than the sum of the parts. You know, I I mean, I was proud of the, the photos that I had made, but the fact of just editing them down to such a, a narrow edit and sequencing sequencing them in the way that that Gail did really brought the whole product um, to a level that it was way greater than the sum of its parts. So that was one thing that you know I, w- I was just that blew me away. Um, another thing that I didn't see coming were pairings that that Gail found. And I, you know, educated by her, I ended up finding some of those as well myself, where images that I didn't think had anything to do with each other really paired well from a either a ge- geometrical standpoint or they had something that really worked together. you know, there was a, uh, a chemistry between those pictures uh, that, that really pulled them together. And so in the book, there's, uh, most pages are one, you know, large image across the two pages. But um, some of the pages are pairings uh, like that. And and some of the pairings she found were just, you know, again, greater than the sum of their parts. The images, individually, the images are strong, but together, they're stronger than the two images combined. You mentioned
0: earlier that with the publisher, you know, they would give you feedback or push back uh, with respect to the work. After you had come up with this sequence, um, was there any other feedback or changes that were made at the request of of the publisher?
1: Very little. I mean, I think they really appreciated that I was working with Gail. So, um, you know, and Gail was probably even more experienced than the, their very in-house editor. So at the end of the process with Gail, um, when we gave them the final uh, keynote, uh, you know, uh, PDF, you know, exported out of keynote, the publisher came back and said, you know, I think they had two minor changes. They wanted to switch two images around, and then they wanted to take out one image, and that was it. That was the, <laughs> that was the mm. extent of their edit after this. And I think you know, part of part of it is that Carer, uh, I learned that through working with them for this past year. They really respect you know if you as an artist have a strong point of view on how things should be, and you have a good reason for it. You know, if you can articulate why you think this is the way it should be, they will respect that and go with it. So I think, you know, in some instances they pushed back on a couple of things and Gail and I had sort of a prepared answer as to why it should be that way. And they were like, Mm -hmm. okay, totally buy it. Um, you, You guys are, you know, are right about this and let's go with your, your version so um, and, and I think it, it goes both ways I, I have a lot of respect for them as a publisher, and when they asked to um, you know we, we were considering a couple different covers and uh, they pushed for for uh, for the cover that's you know that ended up being the cover of the book um, as far as the image that that went on cover and I recognized their choice was stronger and uh, and we went with that so I think it 's just um, there's like uh, there's a mutual respect and, and uh, the fact that we each know our our craft and the, you know in my case it was me combined with Gail so you know from an editing standpoint we had some credibility and they just went with what we had.
0: The book was actually physically printed outside of the United States and you had the opportunity to go out. I think it was in Germany. Correct. Mm-hmm. Okay. So so tell us about the experience of seeing something that you had worked so long and hard for and seeing it. You know, coming off of that, the, out of the printer, uh, they must yeah. have been quite the experience.
1: Yeah, it, it, it was, and um, it's not something all publishers offer. It's it's really quite special to be offered to go on press, as they say and um in this case it was in heidelberg germany uh, which is where they're located and we were printing on, on a heidelberg press you know this is uh, where the heidelberg presses uh, were are, are made and so it was it was quite special from from that respect as well um and uh, so i decided you know it's not something that was required either you know they said we could definitely print the book on our own it's just if you want to be on press um Feel free to you know come at your own expense, of course, but you know you, we we offer you to come and, and and print the book with us. So and which offers also the possibility, you know, the the opportunity of making ch- you know slight changes and so on. You know, when you're on press, so you, you have a say on 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 how how it's printed and you can make modifications there. Um, so personally, I had full confidence in them printing the book. You know better than you know I, I, again it's one thing it's something i had never done before so i knew they could do it on their own and i didn't need to be there but i felt like this could be such a, a an amazing experience i decided to go there and uh, and spend a couple of days with them uh, printing the book So, um, that, and, and that was quite, quite special. It was, uh, you know, I I saw, you know, how it's done, the the presses that it comes out of, uh, how the, those, you know, it's not page by page. It's those very large, you know, pieces of paper that have multiple pages printed on them. Um, and, um, and, and they also, uh, educated me as to what changes can be made because there's there's some uh, compromises that you have to make in terms of you know because there's multiple pages on the same sheet if you modify um say the contrast for one of the images any image that that's in the same band and the same vertical band get all get also gets that modification so um so i, I kind of learned how to navigate these things and how to provide feedback um on the 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 sheets that were coming out, and and we did make a few modifications, uh, but by you know by and large, they definitely could have printed the book without me, and and they would have done a fantastic job without me. It was just it's just such a special thing to be there. I really enjoyed that moment.
0: Yeah, I saw the picture that you had on uh, I think it was Twitter or on Facebook where you got that palette of your of the copies of your book huh. that thing was huge <laughs>
1: yeah yeah it's there it was the big sheets of paper and they stacked them, so you know in this case, this is a, a fairly small run it's a fifteen hundred uh book uh run and for so for each page each uh, sheet they print the fifteen hundred sheets uh so so my my palette i think had fifteen hundred sheets of maybe th- uh, on on which were sheets that had uh, three or four pages printed on them. So uh, so there were several of those stacks, you know, laying around. It was it was quite thrilling to see all this, uh, all these prints everywhere.
0: And tell me about the day that, that you know, your, your book arrived at your at home and you had a chance to open oh. it up and hold it in your hands for the first time.
1: Oh, this is just magical. It's just, uh, I, first of all, there was a little bit of unknown. And I knew exactly how the pages were going to be printed because I saw them, you know, I saw the final Product uh, in terms of the the print quality, but why well, the big unknown was the the cover and the binding of the cover, and then the finish. You know, there's this kind of uh, tactile, three dimensional effect on the on the front cover with the Venice sign. And we had gone through so many iterations to try to make that work that, that had failed. So they, you know, they, they, they kept showing me samples of like, we could do it like this. And I'd be like, no, it doesn't really quite have the tactile effect or no, it's you know, not enough contrast or it's not the right linen. So, so seeing the final product um, actually on the cover and you know, as a real book was, uh, and, and seeing that they had nailed it uh, was, was really a, a huge, a huge moment absolutely, uh, thrilled with it. And what was your family's reaction? Oh, this, uh, you know, could, couldn't be happier. I mean, it was, uh, everybody was very proud. My kids were super proud my wife too. And, and, uh, I just, yeah, it was just very special. I only got, I think they sent me 10. So I had 10 copies. I had a box with 10 copies in it and, um, yeah, it's just starting to show them around to, you know, friends and family is just, uh, Great, great, great moment. Uh, just very special.
0: You know, I know you kept in touch with many of the people that you photographed in the book. Uh, have they had a chance to see um, the, the final result? And what's been the reaction?
1: Um, so the, the people in the book are, first of all, Jenna, who's on the cover uh, with the snake, um, was just thrilled to see that she was on the cover because she didn't know that before and uh she's you know been showing the book everywhere she's the first person i brought the book to when when i, I got those 10 copies uh, i had to be very careful with who who to give them to and everything but um i had to give one to her just because she was just uh she she's been just so um helpful in you know connecting me to other people and just you know she, and i i kept bumping into her on on Venice beach so uh she she had to to get the uh the first book um, and her son loved it. she was he he was very proud to be in the in one of the, in a couple of the photos there. Um, and then other, other people let's see who else the, the, the Muscle Beach guys loved it i mean it, it it's I haven't really been able to show it to everyone just yet because I've been so busy shipping it. Uh, for, to, the, to all the Kickstarter backers but um, I'm actually looking forward to some of that uh, happening uh, I, I, I plan on, on going there with a few copies and, and just uh, trying to find some of the people some of the people I don't even have the contact of I just need to find them on the boardwalk uh, some of them are homeless and I hope they, they're still there that I can actually go and show them the book some of them uh, yes, yeah, so, so some of them are were, were like hippies you know, coming for the day and I probably won't even uh, find them yeah, it, it will. It's uh, quite special to be able to share that with the with the Venice community. What will be also really special is the uh, the opening at Venice Arts. A lot of these people will come to the opening uh, that we have on August eleventh in the evening. We're going to have a, a party, and uh, there'll be a lot. A lot of the images from the book will be on the walls, um, printed in large format uh, for for people to look at, and uh, and a lot of the those characters from the boardwalk will be there so that, that'll be quite special
0: one of the aspects about publishing a book is it, it doesn't end just because the book is in your hand you know there's a whole another aspect of it which is the promotion and marketing of it can you tell us about you know your plans
1: for for reaching out and getting the word out on the book um, well, so there too, I, I, it's something I had not done before and I really wanted it to be successful. So beyond the PR efforts that uh, Carer is doing, and mostly in Europe, um, I hired a publicist in the US and I, I'm working with probably the best publicist for photo books, uh, I want to say, in, in the US. Her name is Andrea Smith and she was uh, she i think she was leading pr for aperture for for about 10 years and she knows everybody in the business so she she's been really helpful in connecting uh the book uh showing the book to to um a lot of the press and we're about to get some serious coverage for for the u.s it hasn't started yet because the book is not available yet but um i've started to do interviews and Um, And I started to get we we started to get commitments from uh, from many different press outlets. So I I can't say too much about who it's going to be and everything. But um, let's just say there's (laughs) the word is going to be out in a in a in a major way on a national uh, national level.
0: I wish you every every bit of luck with the release of the book. I really uh, have enjoyed the photographs, but I especially like being able to enjoy the images, you know, in a book that's in my hand. It's uh, short of seeing the images exhibited on a wall. This is like the next best thing. So um, kudos to all the work that you've done putting this thing together.
1: Well, thank you very much, and I hope you'll be there to uh, enjoy them on the wall as well, because there, there'll be about 45 of them um, printed, uh, and some of them very large, at, at Venice Arts. So oh, I, I look, look forward, forward to seeing, seeing you there. <laughs> so
0: my last question is I, that I asked sure. each guest is I asked uh, them to recommend another photographer for our listeners to discover and explore, and it can be anyone, someone you've long admired or someone
1: you've recently discovered. So who would that one photographer be and why? Oh, God. Um... The photographer that has inspired me the most is Alex Webb. Um, despite the fact that his work is in color and mine is so far, has been black and white, at least for this project. Uh, I don't know if you've interviewed him yet, but uh, you know, he's, he's someone who probably doesn't, doesn't need the publicity at this point. Cause he's, you know, everybody knows about his work and, and him. So this is not like a small discovery. I'm, I'm sorry to, <laughs> but, but, uh, yeah, absolutely adore his work. And I, I own all his books and, and I study them all the time. Definitely the, the a lot of inspiration, uh, especially since my next project will be a, a, a color project. So they're definitely even closer to what, what he shoots and uh, learning a lot from, from his work.
0: Uh, well, Tom, thank you so much for letting me interrupt your uh, family vacation. And, uh, you're welcome.
1: I wish you every best of luck. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.
0: Thanks to Dotan for spending time with us. To find out more about Dotan and his work, visit dotansagai.com. And if you pre-order his book on Amazon, please use our affiliate link in the show notes as we receive a little bit of that to help support the show. While attending the Memento Photographic Workshop, Dotan conducted a presentation on the progress of his book. I also met several other talented photographers working on their own personal projects. At the workshop, I learned the skills involved in photographing, editing, and producing a complete narrative for a nonprofit. If you've ever had an interest in doing that kind of photography and being of service to a community, I recommend attending a Momentum Photographic Workshop this year. It is taught by an experienced staff of photographers who walk you through the process of collaborating with a nonprofit to reach their visual goals while providing you the chance to leverage your skills as a photographer. And for those of you who earn a living as a photographer, it provides valuable information on how to make such work a new part of your revenue stream. Check them out and sign up for one of their upcoming workshops in Charleston, South Carolina, Puerto Rico, or Portland, Oregon. They also have two travel photography workshops scheduled for India and Hawaii that are worth a look. Find out more by visiting Momentoworkshops.com. And you can show your support of The Candid Frame by writing a review in the iTunes Store. As people search for podcasts to listen to, these reviews help people to find us for the very first time. And that makes all the difference. So if you haven't already, please take the time to do it today. Thanks to Brooke Craven for her five-star review of the show. You can also support the show by making a monthly contribution through Patreon. And for as little as $2 a month, you can help us to not only meet the cost of production for the show, but allow us to improve our podcast, YouTube channel, and website. Or if you just want to make a one-time contribution to the show, you can do so via PayPal. You'll find links for both on the Candid Frame website or show notes. Thanks to Michelle LoShanessy and Steve Bustamante for the contributions to the show. I so appreciate it. To access our complete archive of interviews, download the free Candid Frame app, available for Apple iOS and Android. Not only will you immediately receive the latest episode on your phone or tablet, but you can now easily share your favorite episodes on your social networks and help spread the word. And if you want to drop me a line with comments or suggestions for the show, you can email me directly from the app. Download it today by clicking on the link in the show notes or the website at thecandidframe.com. The Candid Frame's audio engineer is Martin Taylor, who you can find at TheOtherMartinTaylor.com. The show's senior producer, is Cynthia Parker, and our music is from Kevin MacLeod, whose royalty-free music can be found at Incompetech.com. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at simply at IbarianX. And this is IbarianX, and this is The Candid Frame.